On Texas Football, I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined by Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com. Uh, fellas, uh, day, two days down in Longhorn football practice for fall camp. Uh, Colin Simmons announcing uh, this coming week. Who? The defensive, end. <laughs> the defensive end out of Duncanville, state's number one prospect, down to Texas and LSU. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, uh, some <laughs> Conference realignment stuff going crazy right now as well, although that only is tangentially related uh, to the Longhorns. Uh, we're going to take your questions as well. Uh, first, Jerry, Colin Simmons and the very latest uh, on the young man from Duncanville. Yeah, I think, look, I mean, I have a, I have one opinion on this, um, and I'll start with my thoughts on this. I think Colin knows where he's going. I, you know, I, I think you move up your date to August 10th, you're 99%. 99.19, whatever you want to call it, percent sure you know where you're going. But when you put out that date publicly, it amps up your recruitment. It really amps it up. The pressure builds, uh, especially when it's a two-horse race, realistically. I know Miami's in it. They were announced in it. But this is then this is Texas LSU. Um, that would just be crazy to me if he picked Miami. Um and that'd be as crazy as Alex Collins' mom running away with his letter of intent in Fort Lauderdale about 15 years ago to me. <laughs> uh, it would be that level if he picked Miami, just based on what I've known for a long time in this recruitment. But uh, look, so it amps up the pressure, not just for the kid, but for the colleges. You know, are we reading this right? Do we know everything about this? Oh, 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 oh did we misread something? You know, it, on both sides, whether it's Texas or LSU, because you know Texas, like he went to LSU that last week and now he sets his date, right? I mean, so there's a lot going on. I do believe Colin Simmons knows where he's going. Um, can that change? I'm, you can't rule it out. Um, but you don't move up your date. It's August 10th, like he did from December, unless you have a really, really good idea where you want to be. Um, so I think we'll see on that. Look, I think the communication, there's confidence on both sides which you expect in these recruitments. This is nothing new in our business. The, these recruitments, when they come down to the wire, there's generally a couple of teams that are confident. K.J. Bolden, one of the top safeties in the country, is, is about to announce or is announcing later this afternoon. There's two or three teams that have been confident this week. That's just the way this goes. And if a kid has street smarts about him in the recruiting business, that's the way it should go. I mean, um, especially if you understand how to build your brand. So yeah. none of this is a surprise. Um, I think, look, I, I think there's still factors that are positive for Texas in this recruitment. Um, I, I think the the connection to a lot of Texas players, I think the closest to home, um, you know, if the family wanted to relocate, they could stay in Texas if they relocate. Um, I, I think there's just so I think he had a great official visit at Texas, not good, but great official visit to Texas. Um, and, and I think he not only has some, familiarity with guys on the team, but I think he has some real friendships with some guys on the team. Um, so I think there's that. Um, I think for LSU, I, I'll say what I've always said about LSU. He's, you know, when you talk about LSU, you can tell it's genuine. You know, there, he has a genuine liking for LSU. I think he feels comfortable on that campus. I also think he feels comfortable at Texas. Um, but I think he feels comfortable on the LSU campus. The question for LSU is, um, you know, is, look, I mean, you know, we hope Jimmy Lindsay's okay, but they don't have a D-line coach right now. And the guy who was really put, I think, LSU in a good spot early on was Jamar Kane, and he left to go to the Broncos. 
Then Jimmy Lindsay comes in. Now Jimmy Lim- Lindsay is out with a personal health matter, um, and we hope he's okay. But LSU doesn't have a defensive line coach. That that would be an interesting commitment to me if he committed to LSU. Not saying it can't happen, uh, but uh, well, you know, we'll see what happens. I think there's confidence on both sides. I don't think Texas confidence is shaken. I think they're confident with the recruitment of Colin Simmons. And look, I think Colin Simmons is telling probably telling both staffs what they want to hear because there's a lot of pressure on him right now. Yeah, there, there sure is. State's number one prospect, top edge prospect in the country. He's announcing his decision on the on three uh, football live stream on August 10th. Uh, Jerry, uh, Ian Boyd, and myself. Uh, I don't know that we're going to be in, tend- in attendance, but we're going to be watching <laughs> and probably live streaming ourselves at that point in time for the young man from Duncanville. Uh, Ian, You've been uh, listening and reading uh, to what uh, Jerry and I, Eric, Justin Wells, and others have written about uh, the first couple of days of spring or uh, fall practice. Any initial questions you have or thoughts from uh, based on your reading at this point? Yeah, well, one question I'd like to ask is, uh, I recall going to the open practices in 2009 and, uh, and in 2008, but in 2009, both those years, there was one thing that really stood out, and that's that whenever Cole McCoy was doing a passing drill that involved receivers, the ball did not touch the ground. <laughs> How close are the three main guys to that sort of gold standard of accuracy from what you guys saw? Good yes, good, good Wednesday, not so good yesterday. You agree with that, Jerry? Yeah, I mean, they, they were throwing deep balls down the field into the wind yesterday. And it's been breezy for the first couple of days. So, um, you know, without checking the wind conditions in 09. Uh, but I do think Colt is more short intermediate, right? Sark is more throwing it down the field, even in a practice setting. So naturally, you're going to have a little more swings and misses, especially if there's any windy conditions. Look, I don't think Texas will ever have a quarterback as accurate as Colt in the short and intermediate game. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe Arch could be that. But, I mean, that's that's an extremely high standard. But I just don't think in Sark's offense, uh, I think you're seeing so much more throwing it down the field. Um, I do think Quinn's in a good spot, though. I, I, I talked to somebody this morning that thinks he's going to have a really, really good season. Uh, they, they think there's been a football maturity with him from year, last year to this year. Um, and, and just the way he's looking at his career um, is with more maturity this year. And, and they think that's factored into his offseason. Um, Jerry, I, I would agree with you in, in many ways. Um, I, I feel, and I mentioned this the first after the first practice, I think he's just a tick faster. I agree. Quicker feet. Uh, yeah, just, I mean, you watch this here, just a, just a little bit faster. Lighter yeah. on his feet. Uh, I'm not saying he's you know, the quickest guy ever with a release or anything like that. He's just a tad quicker than, than uh, last year. Uh, as far as, you know, accuracy, et cetera, Ian, I, I would, I, I agree with Jerry in that, you know, Colt McCoy is a high standard, right? Um, the other thing I would say is that these receivers are a little bit different than those as well. Um, you know, Xavier Worthy's fast. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. Um and they are trying to hit more downfield routes, uh, et cetera. So I feel like I feel like there's a little bit of a question there uh, as far as uh, where we would go with that uh, conversation, even. 
uh, basically. All right, I want to say thank you uh, before we get going any further. I want to say thank you to our weekly sponsor. Every Friday's live stream is brought to you by Andy Ludicky over at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, if you have a chance and are interested in owning your own business, give Andy a shout. Uh, that's 404-973-9901 or go email him at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, if you're looking to own your own business, he's a guy that's owned multiple franchises through the years, uh, knows the ins and, ins and outs, and helps place people into the appropriate businesses for them. Uh, that's Andy Ludicky, Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, Ian and Jerry, uh, let's get back a little bit to, uh, to, to some football news and notes. Uh, biggest takeaways for you for the first couple of days uh, this week, Jerry, in practice. Yeah, I mean, I, I sound like a broken record, but, you know, it's two 30-minute media window uh, uh, chances for us. Um, the physicality, the way these guys look physically, I think just stands out to me. Um, and it's the guys who have been now with Tory Becton the whole way through, right? Jade Barons, the, uh, not the whole way through, but close to, uh, Jonathan Brooks, Byron Murphy, um, how some of those guys have really matured physically stands out to me. Offensive lineman, I mean, Neto, just looking at a picture of him at the Under Armour game in high school and now I was doing last Thursday is unbelievable. Kelvin Banks, the same. So I just think this program's on the right trajectory in that way. I think there's more NFL talent. We talked about it before, but when you walk out on the field and you kind of check the boxes once again that you haven't had a chance to check since the spring and you see guys that have made improvements. Then you see some of those true freshmen that have impressed Bobby and I on the hoof or watching drills. I, I think there's, I definitely think there's more NFL talent in the program than there's been a, in a while. Um, and, you know, look, I, I, I kind of mentioned on inside Texas, I think there's eight guys right now that are upperclassmen in this program with at least a draftable grade based on something I, I received uh, Wednesday. Eight players. That doesn't count Worthy, Sanders, Ewers, Kelvin Banks, some of those guys and some of those eligible guys this year for the draft. So I just think talent-wise, this is the best Texas has been. I think from the look of a team, um, it, it's it's this is what Sark and the guys are after. Um, it, it, the way this team looks physically on the hoof, the depth on the offensive line is what this program's after. I think the depth at interior defensive line with the addition of Trill Carter is what this program is after. Um, so, I, but I, I'll tell you that some of those true freshmen, Bobby, I, I know you'll get in this in a second. Derek Williams, Jelani McDonald, Samaj Burrell, some of those guys, you can tell, you look at them now and think about Warren Roberson that weren't early enrollees. What are they going to look like this time next year? Got it. All right. Uh, we're going to be taking everybody's uh, questions uh, again today. We, we enjoy doing that. Uh, just a reminder, uh, it's myself, Ian Boyd, uh, Jerry Hamilton, all of Inside Texas. Uh, you guys can uh, feel free uh, to subscribe. Feel free. Uh, subscribe to Inside Texas. It's $1 for one month uh, for just this month only. Uh, make sure you guys check us out if you got an get an opportunity. Let's go to the hotline, so to speak. Uh, start with this. Jerry, pull the Band-Aid off, Joe Zura says. <laughs> With the board melting down on Colin Simmons, your Colin Simmons update, uh, tell us when you're changing your RPM. Are you changing it, and should the board be melting down? Well, I haven't changed it yet. I haven't looked at it yet. Um, 
but you know, look, this, our job is to keep digging on this and um, recruiting. Like I said, this stuff gets very stressful for these kids and the, and the colleges know what they're doing in this recruiting process. Um, I haven't changed it yet. Does that mean I'm hundred percent correct? Nobody is in this business. I'm, I, I, I think I, on the football stuff, I'm swinging it over 90. Uh, missed a couple of basketball guys recently, but uh, you know, look, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I think there's, if Texas loses confidence, you guys will know. I'll say that. Yep. Uh, yep. I, I think that's a fair statement. Uh, thanks, Joe, for the question. Uh, let's go here uh, to uh, Mr. Joe 80. Uh, what's the difference in the hype this offseason compared to off-seasons prior? Uh, Ian, I'm going to ask you that question yeah. because you're, you're kind of looking at it from a distance. What are your thoughts? There's been a few differences, I think. One is that the hype around Texas is a little more national than normal. Um, my colleague at CBS Sports, Shayan J. Araya, Shahan J. Araya voted Texas number one in the preseason poll. It was the first time. He's Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, he's, no, he doesn't have a reputation for being like gung-ho for Texas. Um, really, the Big 12 media in general loves to nag Texas and not believe in Texas. But they voted Texas number one pretty overwhelmingly in the preseason poll for media days, so that's a big difference. There's like it's kind of an there's just undeniable uh, qualities to this team that everyone can see that it's just hard to uh, overlook, even if you want to believe Texas will suck. Um, another thing is, I mean, just from what we can tell, the passing game and the passing game experience is just another level than it normally is. Um, the overall depth, the trajectory. I think the, really the only the only time similar to this would be like 2019. And 2019 didn't have the same depth in returning experience on defense. So defense was a much bigger question mark. And then uh, they didn't have the same depth of wide receiver. It looked like it was going to be great because it's like Colin Johnson is back. Devin DuVernay's taken over. They're going to be great. Colin Johnson gets hurt. Tight end gets hurt during the season and everything fell apart because there's no depth. And they, and there was all this excitement about Jordan Whittington and he got hurt. The whole team got hurt, really. So um, that's the only other year since dating back to like 2013 where Texas had so many ducks lined up. And uh, those previous years, they just didn't have the same kind of depth that they do this year. Like this year, you're talking like, you know, maybe John T. Cook would have been a guy that everyone is excited about and counting on in another season. And then this season, it's just if he plays, it's it's gravy or it's because somebody got hurt. You know, Isaiah Nayor coming back from injury in, in other years, that'd be something that Texas fans would be like, you know, if Isaiah Nayor is back and he's on form this year. It's like. Bonus. Well, either <laughs> bonus. Exactly. There's a lot of bonus. Jalen Catalan, bonus. Um, Trill Carter. The depth is the depth is really just something different. I, 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 I go ahead, Jerry. I, I, sorry, go uh, go ahead, Bobby. No, I, I agree with you. I think the the biggest difference is the reality of uh, I've seen all of those seasons. I've been to those practices. I've been, you know, my takeaway is that the the talent on the field is different for me. Like it's tangibly different. That doesn't mean they're not, they can't 
injuries can't peck away at them. Right. It doesn't mean that they won't have, you know, a, a, they may lose a game or two. They shouldn't. I, I can't tell you that. The difference for me right now is that there is a tangible difference with the dudes on the field. They have depth at offensive line. They have reasonable depth along the defensive front and at linebacker. People people dismiss that. But Mo Blackwell, David Binda, and then you add in guys like Jet Bush even as a backup, with along with Jalen Ford, that's depth. Now, you know, they may not have Miami Hurricane 1995 Ray Lewis depth. You know, I'm not saying that. Everywhere I look, there are guys, except for a couple places, there are guys on top of guys. Now, that doesn't mean very few places are people going to be pushed into early um, early action. Defensive end right now is the only place in my mind where I think somebody's going to be pushed into action that isn't necessarily entirely ready. That's the difference in the hype for me. Jerry, go ahead. You had something. No, it's just a couple of questions here on the side. I was going to get hit to on. Somebody asked about Weston Davis, Texas offering him I, Tuesday, I believe is what somebody said. Look, uh, Texas was by there in the spring, the A&M commitment from Beaumont United, four-star offensive tackle. Daniel Cahoon committed to Georgia off the board. Ori Williams just committed to LSU. Um, I, I think uh, I, I think Texas will uh, make, a, make a little run at Weston Davis this season, try to get him on campus. Now, that's not – has nothing to do with Brandon Baker. Brandon Baker's recruitment's totally different. Those are two uh, different tackles, different sides. All right. Uh, thanks. Thanks for the question, by the way. Um, all right. Uh, please get in more questions. We got plenty of time here. We got about forty-five minutes. Uh, we're going to go through through everything we've got uh, today and try to get you guys questions answers. Just so you know, uh, Texas does not practice until this evening. Seven fifteen is the uh, start of practice time. They had the first two practices uh, in the middle of the day, in the middle of the heat, hundred plus heat. Today, they're going to go a little bit uh, later at night, uh, get used to that. Uh, and then I think Saturday is a night practice as well. They'll come back Monday, I believe, with a morning practice uh, that we'll be talking about here too. All right, uh, this is, uh, and by the way, we do encourage questions because we've got time today. Uh, Alry, uh, if you could summarize a successful season this year without including a win-loss total, Ian, what would you consider successful? Big 12 championship. Um, exciting offense. Eight to ten players drafted. Jerry, Jerry, you keep harping on that a little bit. I do. Explain your, your point on the drafted because I think that that's – a lot of people are like, why does that matter so much as, as a, related, a related season? Um, well, it matters in recruiting. And, look, you're headed into the SEC. And what does the SEC dominate in? NFL draft picks. Yes, it's the best conference. That's the reason it's the best conference. It dominates in NFL draft picks. Sarkeesian said in his preseason press conference, and I 100% agree with him, the goal is to uh, get to, you know, 8 to 10 to 12 draft picks a year. 12 is a pretty lofty number. But if you can hit, if you can get to where you're having eight guys drafted per year, you know the talent is in the program and is going to keep coming into the program. And why that's important is, look, what, what do you think people are trying to recruit against Texas on Colin Simmons right now? Who's been drafted? How many guys have been drafted out there? And especially at your position. When all the schools saying that have a lot of guys. 
It's important because kids, this is still the number one TJ Ford. We've had him on the show. We'll get him on in basketball season. He'll say it. Our number one goal is still to hear our name called in the draft. That is still number one. Even with NIL, first and foremost, as a player, we want to hear our name called. And that is still number one. Um, and, and Sark knows that. That's why he throws those numbers out. And he knows the importance of having a good number of draft picks every single year. If Texas has eight, ten guys drafted this year, that also means Sark and his staff can say we're developing players. And that is huge. It Also, yes, you can get a five-star guy. Kelvin Banks would have to suffer major injury to not be drafted. But if you have eight, nine, ten guys drafted two out of every three years, you're developing three-star and low four-star players because everybody you get is not the top. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say what I think here. I, I think that I would absolutely consider a successful season. Uh, I, I don't think they have to win the Big Twelve championship. Uh, I do think it's an actual win total. Um, I would. I think the bigger piece for me, I'd like to see some explosiveness out of the offense on a consistent basis. Um, I think that we saw that at times. Uh, Sark's first year. They didn't really see it all that often, except when Bijan was, except when the running game was really going last year. I'd like to see a return to that and, and see Texas start putting up points in more bunches, uh, if that makes sense to everyone. So, Bobby, you would rather, just hypothetically, you would rather 10 and 2, no Big 12 championship, or 11 and 1, no Big 12 championship, than 9 and 3 with a Big 12 championship. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not a I, like. I think. I think conference championships are virtually meaningless in this these days and times. I mean, it's not what really you recruit off of. I, I mean, you don't. It, it. I mean, I'm not trying to be. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to diminish conference championships in basketball. I'm not saying they're as bad as that. Where literally, it doesn't matter whether you win the conference championship in basketball, other for your seeding in the NCAA tournament. College football is not that bad, but I think the, the the diminished value there is pretty straightforward. It's like winning district. I mean, great, you won, you won, di great, you won district, but how far did you go in state? You know, that's, that's that's my that's my thought process, and it's not necessarily what I'm not suggesting everybody else should have the same thought process. By the way, uh, but that's that's why I look at it a little bit. I get that for recruiting, but for fans. I think that hardware is more important. I think that eternal scoreboard is like that win over AM. Like how long have Texas fans feasted on that on that ten years? Ten years. I mean, <laughs> what was the what was the team's record that year, right? Like what, seven and six or something, or five and seven or something? But the win. I so I I, I don't know. I, I have more of the fan perspective there, I guess. I, I, I think the Big Twelve Championship means a lot. Fair enough. I mean, I'm not, again, I don't think I have all the answers. You know what I mean? Uh, all right. Thanks for the question, Howard. Uh, Xavier Delgado, are they running full offensive formations yet? If so, what are you seeing the most? They are, that I'm not seeing them. Uh, so they don't do that during, they don't actually do team drills uh, other than pre-practice uh, pre and then once the media window is closed. So we can't comment on full offensive formations, uh, you know, other than what we've talked about previously. And, and Ian has actually discussed a lot. We expect to see a lot more 11 personnel this year. 
than 12 personnel. This leads into a question from SG. When is practice closed to the media? Um, it is most often closed. The first three practices of this fall camp are open for a media window of the first 25 to 30 minutes. Uh, that's what Jerry and I have been to each of the last two days. Uh, I'll be, be there again today as well as others from inside Texas. Uh, but uh, that will not continue for the rest of fall camp, I can assure you. I don't know when they're going to stop allowing media to the practices, uh, but it hasn't happened here. All right. Uh, thanks there, SG, uh, for the question as well as Xavier, uh, Xavier too. Matt Persinger, uh, will punting and kicking game be a strength this year? Jerry, you're you're our resident punting expert. Uh, I know you're in on that. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about it. Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely. And, oh, wait, wait. And I want Ian to hear about Joe DeCamillis a little bit. Yeah, I was going to throw that out for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I think it's going to be a strength. I mean, look, Sam Bourne has, is a three-year starter at Stanford. Um, I think he's got a little more leg strength than um, Trejo, who I thought did a good job last year and it showed some consistency. I think I brought up a point to Bobby I, I thought was interesting is, you know, when you punt the ball over in the Bay Area, a little wetter conditions, a little cooler conditions. Uh, I'm not going to be shocked if he didn't average a couple yards more per punt at the University of Texas this year uh, due simply to weather conditions. But I think he's also has going to have very good accuracy. Um, I think Bert Auburn obviously is a year older. Uh, you know, I thought what Jeff Banks said about Will Stone was so interesting that they, he had 25% of kickoffs for touchbacks last year. They're shooting for 50 this year. You don't do that. You don't come out and publicly say that unless your kickoff guy's gotten a lot stronger. So I think those guys, you know, we talk about the gains, the players, or the, the 11 on offense, 11 on defense make, the way they look in photos. I, I think the, the kicking game's made strides as well as far as getting stronger. Bert Auburn looks like he's stronger this year. Um, so I think that is all plays well for Texas. I think they have – Keaton Crawford, Keelan Robbins, some of those key guys back in, in the uh, kick coverage and pump block team game as well. And then Joe D. Camillus is very intense, guys. I, I, he was very intense in practice yesterday, and it was just what a team needs. Not saying Banks wasn't, but Joe D. Camillus is a new voice. He has that years of NFL. Uh, he commands that attention from guys. Something simply as somebody was returning a punt and maybe didn't have the feet moving as quick as Joe D. Camillus wanted to see. And he pretty much said something to that guy. So I, I just love the intensity there. All right. Uh, we uh, we have a special guest coming up. Uh, yes. We're waiting to see if, if he is in the chat quite yet, but we don't know that he is. Hey, Matt, our producer, can you reach out to him uh, and make sure he has uh, the link sent to him? Uh, as well, please, if you don't mind. Hey, by the way, let's hit on this while we're uh, – we've had a few questions. Oregon and Washington to join the Big Ten in 2024. And this is well, – I heard this the other night, and I think – um, I, I think that is a very – I think that's good for – I think Oregon in the Big 12 might not have been a great thing for recruiting. So, I, I, I Big Ten's a better conference. But I think Oregon in the Big 12 could – uh, from a recruiting standpoint, I, I think that's better for Texas. They're going to the Big Ten as much as they recruit uh, Texas. I don't I don't know what anybody else believes. I do think that kind of sets the tables for Arizona State and, and, and Utah to the Big 12, and then it's Washington State and Oregon State that may get left out at the end of the day. Got it. I, I, I am of the same opinion there, by the way. Uh, so it, I, everything I've heard 
And I, I don't know if y'all saw, uh, I interviewed Rick Neuheisel uh, this week, uh, as well as Chris, Chris Childers of the Full Ride College Football Show. And we were talking specifically uh, about uh, the uh, uh, Big 12 slash Pac-12 implosion, uh, what the Big 10 might do, et cetera. Um, look, the Pac-12 uh, is DOA, in my opinion. I mean, that's just the way it looks, unless you want to call the Pac-12 the Mountain West, because that's that's where this thing's going. Utah, Arizona, Arizona State are going uh, to the uh, Big 12. Uh, Big 12. Uh, Oregon and Washington are inevitably going uh, to the Big 10 at reduced revenue shares, by the way. Uh, that leaves Stanford and Cal truly the only two I, that's not even a blue blood, although Stanford is to some reason, some some regard, right? Um, because of their longstanding uh, history and tradition, that that leaves them as likely pack uh, as likely as Big Ten candidates. I think uh, so too. At reduced, at reduced shares. Yeah. So um, I don't know what to say about this, other than uh, it looks like college football is another twenty four months away from having any kind of solidity about what the uh, next thing is. And uh, Brandon Cook was the one that asked that uh, question, Jerry. And I want to make sure we uh, nominated or or make sure we we talked to him. All right, let's go to uh, Rodrigo Ruiz, if you don't mind uh, here, guys. How many OL is Texas losing after this year, draft or graduation? Uh, Ian, you take this one. Should just be two, I would think. Uh, Christian Jones, for sure. And then I believe Majors is also going to run out of, oh, let's see here, 20, 21, 22, 23. He actually could take another year, but I think he's going to go, right? That, that's the idea. Yeah, he may either go or he I mean, honestly, he might grad transfer out if he feels like the writing is on the wall with somebody taking his spot in another year. So um, I, I don't think any more than that is really plausible. Like Hayden Connor will be draft eligible, but – that probably not, you know, guards, guards aren't usually three and out, um, especially guards. I mean, he has hardly put together NFL tape, so that should be it. Everybody else will be gone or everybody else will be coming back. Got it. Um, I, I think, I think the only thing to your point and you hit it, whether it's grad transfer or transfer portal, because there, there may be a time where somebody just doesn't see a path who that might be. I think we won't know that until game seven, eight, nine, or 10 this season, right? Uh, so keep an eye on that one as well. Uh, reminder, get your questions in. We're happy to, to uh, answer them and get them out there for you guys uh, as well today. Uh, and I've got one coming up. This is, where is it at here? Question for Ian from Tariq. Uh, Tariq B, question, Ian. What material changes to the offense would we see if JT Sanders go down, goes down for a significant amount of time, same if uh, Jalen Ford uh, went down on D. Jerry's shaking his head like, "Don't happen, please don't those happen." Are, those, <laughs> are, those are the two I mentioned. I think, and one of the lobsters is getting. Uh, uh, but but schematically, schematically, I guess is what he's talking about. Material changes here, Ian. What do you what do you think on that? It depends a little bit on what Gunner Helm is ready to do in the passing game. It sounded like from um, from Jeff Banks' presser the other day 
like they want to get JT Sanders down the field more this season, uh, running up the seams. Uh, he mentioned like he may have more touchdowns and more yards, but fewer catches. So you're thinking that means, you know, fewer screen passes and quick dump offs under underneath and more vertical shots. I don't know that that would be the plan if Gunnar Helm is replacing him. Um, but uh, Gunnar Helm has got pretty good hands. He's pretty decent route runner. So it's not like the offense just tanks. And he's a better blocker than Sanders. So they might be able to uh, lean into the run game in a few different ways with Helm. I think you lose, you know, all kinds of pass game upside if Sanders goes out. But the, the like, basics, of all that stuff is really more like Sanders stuff, not Sarkeesian stuff. Like the Sarkeesian stuff is fine with Gunnar Helm. You just lose the the value add that Sanders brings as a as an elite athlete. Probably not going to flex out Gunnar Helm and throw him fade routes in the end zone, stuff like that. And then Ford, what would change would probably depend on how much they use him as a blitzer this year or how much they want to use him in coverage and who replaces him. Uh, I don't think Jet Bush has the same range and coverage, so maybe that would impact some of their calls. Well, overall, I don't I don't know that it changes anything on the plan on defense. They just you know you just lose margin because Jalen Ford is the best player. I I would I think that Jalen Ford they definitely lose something in coverage. Uh, I think they lose a quasi playmaker. I, I would say that guys. Um, I also think that. You know, we look at it uh, on offense. I, I don't know that they lose much from a blocking perspective if JT Sanders goes down. Uh, but look, to win big games, sometimes you need guys to step up, right? Um, JT Sanders is one of those guys that can change a game. He's not going to do it by running tight end screens, right? He's going to have to do it to, to uh, Ian's comment running uh, stuff vertically. Uh, Jerry, recruiting question. This is a good, this is a good topic. Uh, 24-7 uh, put in a uh, crystal ball for uh, Dominic McKinley out of Lafayette, Acadiana. Uh, Jerry, you've been uh, covering that recruitment. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, uh, look, it, he ended the June visits and even into the July, uh, last weekend in July visit to LSU that last Friday. Um, is Texas OU top two. And, and I think Texas has a legit chance to win uh, for Dominic McKinley. Um, I, I think the – look, I think he likes Todd Bates at OU. I think that may be a little too far at the end of the day. We'll see. Um, I, I think that LSU obviously made a good push that Friday. They got the brother and the mom on campus. Was it enough? Doesn't feel like it right now. Um I think what Texas has going forward is the mom's been in education 24 years. And I think there's a real appreciation um, for the academic and athletics combination at the University of Texas. And that it's, it's a drive. It may be five and a half, six hours, but it's still a drive. It's not a flight away. And I think Dominic maybe likes the idea of doing something different. Yeah. And, I, and I think the staff at Acadiana kind of knows that. And that's why they, you know, I kind of got the impression when I was down there that maybe LSU wouldn't be the win for him. And then, um, and then, uh, you know, I, Sam Spiegelman, one of our colleagues was down there this week and kind of got the same impression. So I, I think Texas is, uh, I'm not going to say they're going to, it's five-star recruitment. These things are difficult. Uh, but I do know that Bo Davis done a great job. Steve Sarkeesian's done a great job. 
and the mom really values the academics. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget when I interviewed them, uh, her and, and the family, when they were leaving the Texas official visit over at Bergstrom, I, I asked her, I said, well, you know, what were your thoughts on the visit? She said, the APR on the defensive line's gone up since Sarkeesian got to Austin. I thought that was an interesting comment at the time. Got it. Uh, thanks. I wanna, sorry, I don't want to, like, nobody read anything into this that's watching, but is McKinley kind of low-key a bigger recruitment than Colin Simmons? No. There's, I know Simmons, Simmons is, you know, elite, elite, but a defensive tackle like Dominique McKinley, there's just – it's harder to make up for some guy like that than it is with Simmons, you know? Uh, I think you're underselling Simmons as, a, as an elite guy, potentially. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. I, I think that, the, and I'm not saying, there's not taking anything away from Dominic McKinley. Sack guys mean a lot, in my opinion, like negative plays. Uh, I, I could be wrong. Jerry, your, your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, um, I just think Colin Simmons is a rare prospect. He's the number one prospect in the state. He's the number one edge in the country. He's from Duncanville, Texas. He would, could be the Kelvin Banks at the edge position for Texas. He's the only guy I've seen as a must-get in this class for Texas. I think Dominic McKinley's upside is very high, um, uh, but I think it might take him a little while to get there. I just think Colin Simmons – I always say it's not Adwater instant player, but Colin Simmons has – you know – there's it doesn't take a lot of Kool-Aid to make that one. I mean, yep. hey, Jay Lee, Jay Lee, this leads us into what, what, what Ian's saying is somewhat related to this question here. Jay Lee says, I get told I'm stupid for not caring much as much about sacks as others do. My argument is that you can have a good overall defense despite sacks thoughts. Texas had a good overall defense last year, despite sacks. Now they didn't have zero sacks, don't get me wrong, but they didn't have a ton or at least an outsized number. Um, you can affect the passer in numerous ways and make a, make a offense be more short, uh, short throwing uh, focused. The thought I have here is that's true, but where turnovers often come from are when you get sacks on early downs and put them in third and long. So I think sacks lead to turnovers and bigger risky plays from the offense. That's why I think that matters. Not necessarily that it's totally the only way. Uh, Ian, what you, you, you've done some studying on stuff like this. What are your thoughts? You all want to guess where Georgia ranked in team sacks last year in college football? I, I bet not much. Where, where'd they rank? 49th. It's not bad. They averaged... Uh, Oh, that's 35 total. Um, Georgia, I mean, Georgia doesn't play the same style as defense as Texas, so caveats aside, Georgia would care more about Dominic McKinley than Colin Simmons, I think. I mean, I he's the Texas guy. He's number one. He boosts your rankings. He generates more hype. I think he's going to be an outstanding player. 
I don't think he's – but those defensive tackles in college football just – I think they just mean more, as, as they say in the SEC. It just means more to <laughs> That's a, no, that's a great line, Ian. I didn't mean to step on you there, bud. <laughs> All right, let's go to this one. A um, couple from Ski Breck uh, real quick. When do pads go on? Uh, they go on, I believe, tomorrow Saturday. is the first yep. day, right? Yeah. Uh, so we'll see that. Then also we had this question, uh, Gary Patterson update. Didn't Bobby say in another video, we do not expect Gary back? That is correct. As of right now, uh, we do not think that is in the plans uh, for the Longhorns and Gary Patterson. Uh, could it change next week? Sure, but not right now. Poke Casino, uh, thank you here. He says he's installing a massive roof, so I have to watch this later. Here's to the premium coverage y'all bring to us. Uh, we appreciate you very much. Uh, Gray Man, also uh, with a super chat as well. Thank you very much, Gray Man, uh, as we get going. Uh, uh, Ian, uh, uh, hey, Bobby, let me hit one thing. Somebody, say, somebody was on the comment section saying you're uh, trying to undervalue Simmons because he might go to LSU. Not me. I, I Look. I want to be clear. He's the only musket recruit I've had in the 2024 class since I've been talking about the 2024 class. Not Micah Hudson, nobody else. So just to be, just so people are yeah, on the comment section. Don't I, take that. I tried to tell people I wasn't trying to. It, people are crazy about this right now. It's it's an exciting time. <laughs> hey Jerry, this is a question for you. Um, does the recent ESPN report that Great Oregon question. and Washington going to Big Ten? is a done deal, does that affect the recruitment for Brandon Baker? Well, I mean, he's a West Coast kid that now could go to a, a Midwest school and play in a national well, conference. I, I definitely think it was hurting Oregon not being able to answer the question. I, I, I think that for sure. Not just with him, but with a lot of different guys. I mean, you know, do, you, do people not think that didn't help Georgia with Justin Williams? I mean, he made his commitment before all this, right? Um so yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it 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 I'm not sure it helps to the point of Baker's going to Oregon now in the Big Ten, but I think it hurts you when you can't answer the question of where you're going to be playing. I mean, so look, he took official visits to Texas, Ohio State, and Georgia, two SEC, one Big Ten. Now you have Oregon in the Big Ten, and he's scheduled to be at Nebraska September 16th. Texas is working on getting him in. Uh, the, that last week in September when DeAndre Carter makes an official visit to Texas. But um, so look, I mean, you're now tr it's coming down to it's weird to say this is a Big Ten versus SEC recruitment in a way uh, for Brandon Baker. I think Texas has a, a legit shot to win that recruitment. We'll see. But I definitely think it helps Oregon. Is it enough to put, push them over the finish line? I can't say that. Jerry, I'm going to go straight to another recruiting question. Uh, percentages of McKinley, Baker, Black, Wingo, Umio Zulu, and the edge guy they had on campus last week, Solomon Williams. Um, percentages. I mean, I you know I, you don't. I, I'm not going to tie you to that. Josh is trying to to loop you in here a little. Yeah, I know. A little bit handicap you. Are does Texas have realistic shots yeah. at all of those? That's the first question. Yeah, I I think so. Look, I think Texas is in the final two. We'll be in the final two, final three, whether it's announced as a top five or not. I mean, TJ Lindsay's announcing a top five August 7th. It's Texas Auburn right now. It's something we really have to change. I think Texas is in there with a shot at every single one of those. Recruitment Solomon Williams was the edge, I think, that he didn't ask about. Texas will bring him in for an official visit during the season more than likely. So, uh, yeah, I think Texas is in the hunt on all those guys. I mean, uh, Kobe Black, I, I, yeah, I think Texas has been the leader there. 
Ryan Wingo. I mean, you're looking at Texas, Tennessee, Missouri right now. Uh, maybe Texas A&M, Umeo Zulu's Texas, Texas A&M, maybe Oklahoma. Does he? Does it go to where you visit an Oregon or LSU? Possibly. Um, Brandon Baker, I think Texas is going to be one of two or three there. Um, and Dominic McKinley, I think at the end of the day, Texas is going to be one of the two there. Got it. All right, uh, let's keep going. Got some more questions here coming in. Um, Jerry, SG is asking, what's the significance of Simmons deciding on the same day as his RB teammate? Any any coincidence there? Because that the running back, Caden Durham's expected to go to LSU as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so. Like, if Colin does commit to LSU, everybody's be like, yeah, that, that's a big part of it. I Look, Collins, his own guy, I think that's more from the Duncanville side. Um, you know, they're not announcing their commitments together on on three unless on three change. Uh, it changes the plans right now. So I, I just I don't see that. Look, Caden Durham moved from Oklahoma City to Duncanville a couple of years ago. Um, so, I mean, they're friends, but I, I don't think that's a deal. I'll say that. And Colin Simmons is going to make his own decision. He's not impacted by anybody else. Got it. Let me uh, go to these real quick. And this one's from Rob Mfield. Uh, this is going to be for Ian and myself here. Uh, who else has a good as good a team as the Longhorns? They all have problems worse than a polished edge. I'm going to take this just in the uh, Big 12 arena, but then also maybe look at it a little bit nationally. I, look, I, I said I wrote today that I don't think – I'm not sure I would trade anybody's group of offensive line quarterbacks – and receivers with anybody else's in the country as a group. Now, that doesn't mean that Caleb Williams right now at USC isn't a better quarterback ready to go than all three quarterbacks at Texas. That's not what I mean. The whole rooms, I'm not sure I would trade with with anybody at receiver. Now, that being said, I, I also said maybe maybe Ohio State for those, those positions uh, and – you know, we'll see. Uh, but there are certain teams that have more elite talent at other positions than Texas, uh, including the defensive line, linebacker, even the, the secondary right now with the older guys. Texas has some experienced guys, but there are going to be teams that have better secondaries. Who else has as good a team in, as in the Big 12? <clears throat> Excuse me. Kansas State and Texas Tech, according to someone I trust, he said those two teams will compete with Texas most likely for the conference championship. Ian? I'll have to ask you later who that was. Um, <laughs> I, that is basically my assessment as well on the Big 12. And I, I definitely think Texas Tech and Kansas State have scarier problems than Texas does. Um, if you look nationally, the only teams that I can think of that have like fewer question marks in Texas. Not to say Texas will be better than everyone else, but fewer like question marks would be like Michigan, maybe Georgia. I mean, Ohio State may be the best team in the country, but quarterback is a very uncertain thing for them right now. Defensive tackle is a very uncertain thing for them right now. Alabama you look at their recruiting rank, their recruiting inputs to the roster this year. They look like a juggernaut, but quarterback, we don't really know how that's going to turn out. Receiver has not really panned out for them yet. Um, 
defense is starting over will probably be awesome, but it's starting over at a lot of spots. Even Georgia, like I, I bet Carson Beck is really good, but we've barely seen that guy play. Their defensive line, they lost 15 guys to the NFL draft, you know, and they're probably fine. They're probably better than fine. But if you just look right now, preseason questions, Texas has a lot more answers than a lot of other teams. Hey, I want to ask you specifically about Michigan, Ian, uh, because you live up there, obviously, right now. Um, uh, Jim Harbaugh has caught some grief for saying he's got 20 NFL draft picks on this team this year. Yeah. Uh, okay. And I laughed at that, and I actually said it on a live stream. But I'll tell you what. Bobby saw what I saw. They have 12 upperclassmen with NFL grades entering the season. That does not count on anybody – that's guys who have been in the program three or four years, counting anybody who's portaled in. Seven offensive linemen in the program with draft-eligible grades right now today. I, I tend to think Jim Harbaugh may have his best team at Michigan. Yeah. If he doesn't, he may be – because J.J. McCarthy may be his, his last year as well, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I, Do you um, see him with that much talent up, living up there? I mean, are you buying that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. then this could this should be his best team then. They have a knack for um, – Jim Harbaugh in particular really has a knack for finding or developing NFL players from the, like, 88 to 90 rated guys in recruiting. Like, his high upside three-star guys routinely hit their upside. I don't know if that's because he teaches them things that the NFL cares about. It's because he's just a better coach and developer than other guys if he has a better eye for talent all the above, but it happens a lot for him. What they haven't had is a NFL upperclassman quarterback at any point for Harbaugh, really. And this will be the first time they have that. So that's kind of the, that's kind of the case for Michigan this year. Hey uh, guys, I uh, want to say thank you to our sponsor before we get to the next question. That's Andy Ludicky of myperfectfranchise.net. Guys, if you're looking for a new job, or to own your own business in your own future, give Andy a shout at 404-973-9901 or email him at andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Andy has owned multiple franchises in his career. He's a guy that has absolutely knows what he's doing and has placed dozens of people with businesses uh, in his career as well. So if you're looking to leave the corporate rat race, want to own your own business, give Andy a call, 404 404- 973-9901 or visit www.myperfectfranchise.net. All right, uh, Matt, take down that that thing. We've got a special guest, guys, coming in here. This is a young Alex January. How are you doing, Alex? I'm good. I'm pretty good. Good. Alex is a, a commitment from uh, the from Duncanville High School. Uh, just played. Just announced for Texas. I guess two weeks ago now, Alex, on a Saturday, I think. Does that sound um, right? On July 1st. Oh, July 1st. Wow. The time is moving because <laughs> of football season. Holy cow. Um, Alex, uh, your dad was kind enough to come on uh, and visit with us a couple weeks ago or a weekend ago. Uh, he talked about, you know, what who you are as a player, uh, how he's kind of brought you guys up and, and watched you uh, come into your own. First of all, for me, congratulations on your commitment. Secondly, why did you – choose to follow your dad's footsteps and pick Texas. I mean, obviously it's a, he, your dad said it was your decision, 
But why did you make that decision, man? First of all, I really, I really liked it up there, and I liked what they had going on. And Bo Davis, he's he's a hard coach that knows what he's talking about, and I, I really like that. And when Eric, I was up, I like I like the the culture and everything. So, yeah, Alex, that's what I was going to ask you. You know, because we talk about those things. Coach Sarkeesian's mentioned those things, culture. But when you go on a lot of visits, you go to a lot of schools. Did you feel that culture change at Texas? Because you're also familiar with the program, right? Have you felt that? Did you? Because I know you ask players, whether it's Cam Williams, a former teammate, or players you know or meet at Texas. Did you ask those questions? Did you get that feel? Yes, yes, I I, I did. Um, it was. I felt like it was more welcoming up there than some other places were. Interesting. Uh, uh, Alex, uh, January, committed to the Longhorns, defensive lineman. What is your current height and weight, just so everybody gets a there, – so there's going to be some mouths drop whenever you say this. What, what's your current height and weight, Alex? 6'5", 319. <laughs> That's a pretty big first baseman. <laughs> right? Hey, that was the next question I had for you. So when I went through Duncanville after, I guess it was two years ago, I saw you this spring there, obviously. You were in baseball. So I didn't get to see you on that football field in the spring. This year, you went straight football. What are the differences you've seen being in the offseason program? Is it the strength standpoint? Is it just more time spent concentrating on football? Where have you seen your gains personally? Definitely strength. Definitely. Uh, It felt a lot different this spring than it did last spring. Uh, I was able to move the, the lineman better, get to the ball better. That's how, that's how I felt. So, and you know, I, I want to see what it's like during the season. Your dad talked yeah. about hand hand placement being a strength for you. Um, from a technique standpoint, what have you been working on headed into your senior season? Because it's right here now. Uh, so, when I went down to Texas, me and uh, Bo Davis, we watched some film, and he told me things that I could I could use to improve my game, and I've been working on those, like exploding through the hips, uh, getting my hands up quicker, getting off the ball a little faster. So I've been working on those things. Speaking with Alex January, line, defensive lineman commitment uh, from Duncanville High School, uh, alongside Jerry Hamilton, Ian Boyd, and Bobby Burton. I'm I'm Bobby. Ian, I want you you to have a chance next. You have any specific questions for for Alex? Alex, uh, how much excitement is there for uh, Duncanville versus North Shore potential <laughs> matchup? It's, it's a lot. Um, we play – every time we go to state, we play them. So, of course, we're we're thinking about North Shore already. Um but we got a we got a one and more than them. That's basically it. They got some kids up there that we had to tell at the beginning of the summer. We're like, just because we won state doesn't mean that we gotta like not do nothing up here. We gotta come up here and work because we want to do it. And that's straight like that. Got it, Jerry. One final question here for Alex. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Alex, a um, uh, couple things. Um, one, you know, kind of getting over that hump at Duncanville last year. You know, 
do you see – because that's what Texas is trying to do, right? They're trying to go from eight wins to winning a conference championship this year. So you've seen how it gets done. Um, do you see that with what Sark and, and, and Texas are doing and the talking being around the players there? I mean, can you see that coming from Texas as well? Yes, I, I definitely could. Just the players they got up there, uh, they all have like character, I would say. And when I went up there, they were all up there working hard, uh, doing what they had to get done. So they're definitely on the right path to it. And I think it could be done this year. All right, uh, Jerry, thanks for uh, helping us bring in Alex January. Alex, best of luck to you, bud. Uh, I know, have you all already started two-a-days officially? Um, no, not until the 10th when okay. we go back to school. All right. Well, best of luck to you, bud. Uh, thanks thanks for joining us. That's Alex January, six foot five, 319 pounds, all of Alex January. Hook them, Alex. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, take care, man. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, uh, Jerry. Uh, what a what a nice young man, good family, uh, and uh, whatnot. But uh, really good stuff to have him on uh, with us today. We appreciate him stepping in. Uh, got some more questions. We're going to get back to y'all's questions when you get a chance here. Uh, please fill them up. Uh, this was uh, something we talked about earlier, guys. Uh, would you? Pre- and this is Ian. Would you prefer twenty QB hurries or eight QB sacks? Or is that just too is that just too binary, right? Yeah, I think that's too binary. Um I would be curious what the numbers are, you know, on how often a how often a hurry leads to like um a a blown up check down or an interception. I don't think it's two to one on sacks. Eight sacks is probably a little better because that's eight for sure plays where um, it's a negative play. Yeah. Negative yardage. Yeah. It definitely puts you behind the, it puts you further behind the sticks than normal. All right. Uh, Nig- strips. Sticking with you here. Uh, Nigel Robertson asks you this, Ian, who is your projected starting 11 on offense? Quinn Brooks, Sanders, worthy wit, Mitchell, Banks, Connor, Majors, Campbell, Jones. Yeah. So basically, the only switch would be at your time. At, as of right now, your thought is that uh, DJ Campbell might start over Cole Hudson. I uh, think so because of the uh, Hudson cross training at center and missing the spring makes me think that they'd like to get Campbell in the starting lineup, and Hudson will be a utility guy for a year and then probably win a job the next year again. All right, Ian, you you may never live this one down, okay? <laughs> Let's just be clear from Football Junkie. Downplaying Simmons, Ian? What's up with that? You do the same with Anthony Hill? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to say three things very clearly. <laughs> Number one, Simmons is one of the best defensive prospects I've watched out of the state of Texas in a long time. <laughs> Number two, Elite defensive tackles are better than elite edges. Done. Just That's just how it is. It's how this game works. Three, if they don't get Simmons, 
just go ahead and spin Hill down to Buck because I think that may be where he belongs anyway. <laughs> so let's get the people going. <laughs> All right. Wow. <laughs> All right. Take no prisoners, Ian Boyd. <laughs> Donald Skipper, uh, will the UT offense be the spread from the Alamo Bowl or whatever Sark ran in 2022? This is an interesting piece because clearly, I mean, he ran spread, by the way, in the Alamo Bowl with a second tight end, Andre Karich, on the field sometimes. So let's let's be clear about that. Um, what do you think, Ian? You're, you're the one that uh, catches up with the X's and O's more than just any, any, just about anybody. I think more Alamo Bowl for sure, but they're not going to give up on double tight end. They'll probably you'll probably see a little more Gunner Helm than maybe people think, and especially against certain teams. If there's a team that can't handle uh, Gunner Helm and JT Sanders on the field at the same time, then Texas is going to do that. Or if Texas builds the lead throwing to Jay Witt, and then in the second half they're sitting on a two, three touchdown lead, they may get back to their bigger sets and just pound a team and run, and run out the clock. So um, definitely more Alamo Bowl, but it, it's not going to be like, you know, it's not going to be completely night and day. They're still going to retain some of the bigger elements and some of the power run stuff. Got it. Uh, thanks, Donald, for your question here. Cinco de Mayor, Jerry Hamilton, where would Texas land in final recruiting rankings if they land? McKinley, Simmons, Baker, and Kobe Black. That's four or five stars, Jerry. Yeah, it's pro- that puts you probably at number three. I mean, uh, Georgia's one. I mean, it, it, it would take – I don't even know what it would take to unseat them. Um, and Ohio State's got a really, really good class, and they won't go uh, over at the end of that class. So I think it would probably put Texas three. Got it. All right, let's keep going here. Um, Jerry, did we bring Solomon Williams for a visit because lack of confidence in Colin Simmons? No, not at all. Um, Not at all. Texas decided they weren't going to bring in guys for midweek official visits that June 20th through 22nd uh, week. Um, So then it was just a matter of time getting – Solomon on campus and his coach brought him on the visit. So they had to work around the schedule where his coach, who also is a, a husband and has children, could get on campus with his uh, with Solomon. And, and that's why that happened. And there was also there was going to be the last weekend in July. Obviously, that's when uh, after the dead period is lifted and they were going to do it where uh, the co- head coach and Solomon were, were going to do it where they could go to Texas and Texas A&M and make, go to both schools in one trip. So it all had to be scheduled out perfectly. But no, that one didn't have anything to do with the other. Texas really likes Solomon Williams. He's a really good player. Uh, I Texas is going after Solomon Williams regardless of anybody else right now. Right. Uh, and Solomon, somebody asked if Sol, Texas bringing in Solomon Williams would cost him Colin Simmons. Colin Simmons isn't worried about anybody. Yeah. yeah. I'm not um, trying to be a smart ass. Colin Simmons isn't worried about another player. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike Gosnell, how is Jade Barron grading so far? Second round, Jerry, you and I looked at the same list. Just so yeah. everybody knows, it's a hey, Ian doesn't. Ian, this is going to be news for Ian. So go ahead, Bobby. Yeah, no. So there's a list that uh, a couple different people do uh, that is a culmination or an aggregation of some NFL scouting stuff that uh, Jerry and I got a chance to look at. Uh, it had rankings on every player across the country. Jerry mentioned that third and fourth year players that had played already three three or four four years. 
very interestingly, Jade Barron had a late first, second round grade. So just take that for what it's worth. Jerry, you said that you picked up on some things you saw from him uh, while you were watching practice uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, he's always been a he was he's never been a wiry guy. He's been a strong stir- kid. His legs are bigger though, in, in a good way. I mean, like he's added more muscle in his lower body. He's almost got a running back lower body. I mean, he's very impressive, and I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Um, but yeah, Ian, that I, I I figured that would be news to you that he's getting that type of grade, that borderline first, second round type of grade, and uh, obviously. To be clear for the people that are following the chat, that doesn't mean he's going there because that doesn't count the sophomore that's going to be a junior that's going to end up being a first-round pick that pushes other guys down. But what they're saying is the grade headed into this year, that's the type of grade he's starting the season with, which I thought was very interesting. Well, I definitely – I think he was arguably the best player on the defense last year. So I've, I've been saying that. But I – I haven't paid close attention. I'm not totally sure of like what the where nickels tend to go in the draft. Um, I've been trying to think and remember if some of like the top nickels from uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, I think, went in the first round. Correct. But he's plays. He actually plays plays deep safety for the Steelers, so it's not like a one to one. So, uh, but they may see Jade Barron as being similarly flexible. They may see him as a first round grade because they're like. Once he's in the NFL, this guy's a starting corner, or a, or he goes back like Quandre Diggs and he anchors. I don't know. I'd be curious to read a little more on that. I'm not totally shocked though, because I I think very highly of, of how he plays. He's a productive football player at the end of the day, guys. Bobby, you say it all the time. He's a productive football player and diff playing forward and backwards. All right. Uh, question here from Ben Ludwig. I'll answer this one, guys. Can y'all ease the nerves of UT fans following the clip of the QBs throwing that circulated on Twitter? Quinn's delivery and ball flight looked similar to a young Ellinger's knuckleball, in other words, is what they're trying to be kind. Look, uh, they were throwing into a good 10, 15 mile hour win and trying to throw the ball 55 to 60 yards downfield. The ball isn't going to be a nose cone going down. I'm just, uh, and that that was one of the first two or three throws they had. So they were just starting, starting out. It wasn't mid-practice and they were having this issue. It was early when they were just getting their bearings and what they could do with the win. So, no, I don't. Like Quinn, Quinn's, Quinn doesn't throw knuckleballs. I'll just, that not at least not that I've seen. Uh, Jerry, you were there. I mean, you know, can you assuage fans' uh, issues yeah. here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, depending on, depending on, especially it was in, some of that was in play action, then throw deep. So you're not only just throwing into a win, Depending on your angle, you're throwing into a crosswind a little bit. So no, I'm not worried about that at all. Um, look, I, I I said earlier in the uh, uh, in the live stream, I know a lot of people have joined since. Then. I talked to somebody that I would say has a really good eye for Quinn and on Quinn, and he thinks he's going to have a really good season. That he thinks he has put in the right work, um, and also thinks he's matured as a football player um, and in the way he's thinking about his football career uh, headed in this year. Got it. Um, got a couple more questions here. Uh, we'll get, get uh, to them. Ryan Nelson, Bobby and Ian, UT's non-conference strategy following US, OSU and Michigan. Boy, uh, they're not wrong on this one, guys. Uh, four years of pretty difficult teams uh, at, with a home-and-home. Home. Ian, you have a thought on what they should do? 
I, I, I might just maintain it, see how it goes with Ohio State and Michigan. But, I mean, those are fun. I mean, if you're Texas, what else – what else is college football about? But, you know, these SEC games are great, but there's no um, – you never get to go to California or the Midwest or the Northeast in the SEC. I, I think it's still fun to have those games mixed in. And, the yeah, those home-and-homes are pretty special. So I would keep doing it, but, you know, we'll see how the, we'll see how the playoffs shake out. The, the, whole, the whole game of college football is changing so fast right now. It's hard to be it's hard to be definitive, you know? Yes, I agree with you. And this comes from Matthew Koshin. Is the Big 12 now the unquestionable third best conference? I'm going to take – I agree with Ian. He's shaking his head no. It is not as long as Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina are in the ACC. All four of those – all four of those are more talented than any Big 12 team – not named Texas. Right? I mean, anybody disagree with that? No, I... I, I, mean, I he was still shaking his head. You can speak on this, Ian. You can actually tell people what you think. Just look at the NFL numbers. Look at the draft numbers. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear-cut. The, and but the question, becomes, the question becomes, what happens if Florida State bolts and then Clemson has to bolt? Then what happens? That 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 is where it teeters, right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, who's the who's the blue blood program in the Big Twelve? Utah. Like still, right? <laughs> Utah. I mean, seriously, they're the best. Utah, BYU, Kansas Probably State. I mean, what are we? What are Look, we doing here? I, I think we know. I, I think we know what uh, the commissioner is. He's a big basketball guy. He's trying to make this unquestionably the best basketball conference that's ever existed. That's what wow. he's doing with the Big 12 to me because he knows he's not going to win the football war. Good luck with that when you have the Big East back in the 80s. I mean, <laughs> come on. I mean, that that's a, ESPN recruited for the Big for the Big East teams back well, in the 80s. Now, I'll say this. We, that's not a discussion people want. He's got a chance. If he pulls Gonzaga, he pulls some all basketballs, Villanova, UConn, he might actually at that point, but that, nobody wants to hear about that. That's for uh, November or December or January, February, or whatever. <laughs> gotcha. I, I have time for a couple more questions before we finish off this Friday live stream. We appreciate you guys joining us. I want to say thank you one more time to our sponsor. Uh, that is Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking for a change in jobs, give Andy a call 404-973-9901 or visit MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, Andy is a former, is a current owner of multiple franchises, has placed dozens of people with franchises over the years that have gone on to have really good success in their lives, in their careers. Uh, give him a call, 404-973-9901, or shoot him an email, andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Of course, we appreciate him and his consistent uh, sponsorship of the Friday afternoon live stream. Uh, we're going to have some fun. Uh, later this year with you know, with him and hope to bring him on uh, one of these shows because he Andy by the way loves him some football I'll just put it that way he's not he's not your average Joe fan he's he really loves it so does his young son as well all right uh, thanks Jerry M for the super chat we appreciate it very much uh, let's go some other things and, and thoughts here Jerry y'all got to chill on Colin 
IT still <laughs> likes Texas over LSU. Durham has no effect on the recruitment. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, that was just that was in the chat uh, or in the comments in the chat. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, people keep asking, are you changing your RPM? Are you changing your RPM? I'll change my RPM if Texas loses confidence. I mean, I, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, in that recruitment, but I do. I look, I think Texas and LSU are both confident, and, and I'm not talking about the, the the people that cover it. <laughs> yeah, I think both staffs are confident right now. And Jerry, this is the issue here. Jerry M asked this question along with that super chat. You said Colin Simmons knows where he wants to go, while Eric implied he's still making a decision. Where is the disconnect coming from? I want to say this because yeah. I know I know the two of you. They don't operate um, always together. They have different sources, guys. Uh, this Jerry has been in this business for 25 years. Eric, 10, 15 plus, whatever. They've built different sources and different networks. And just because they have a different feel and thought on it doesn't make either one of them necessarily right or wrong. It could sometimes be somewhere in the middle. That's my take on it. Jerry, your thoughts? I think yours is more tied to the reality of him coming off a visit. And we thought he was going to make a decision before football season anyways. And he went ahead and did it. Right. Is that, is that the idea? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, you don't, you don't move up your timeline from December until August, uh, unless you know where you want to go. Um, now that doesn't mean that, but, but it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the show. When you put out a date you're committing, that amps up the recruitment until the end. That really amps it up. That amps up the pressure on you, your circle, the college, the colleges. Texas knows it's LSU. LSU knows it's Texas. Uh, that doesn't mean my. I'm not trying to throw Miami out. They're the third team in the mix. But that, you know, that would be the one of the bigger shocks in my years doing this. But uh, it amps everything up, right? So the pressure mounts from kids. Uh, the, even if they know where they want to go, there can still be a pressure applied. Um, but Colin didn't make, he didn't decide he was going to commit before the season without a really, really, really good feeling where he was going to go. It just, it's just the way it is. All right. One last question for the Friday afternoon live stream. I know and this is from East eighth. I know people talk about Mo Blackwell, but from what I can tell, he's lost in the box. Great at closing an open field, but his ability to operate in the box combined with in inexperienced Burke is a no-go. Ian, what do you think that impact is? That may be right. Um, I haven't really seen a lot of Mo Blackwell in the box recently. I was going to uh, say, you, we haven't seen him much at all there. So to say that he's lost, we don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case this year. Right. It would not be shocking, though, because playing in the box is – very complicated it's lightning quick decisions and reactions um but uh I, I do think that could be a bit of a concern if if burke is not fitting the run very quickly or wherever they go a buck and then you have a little bit of uncertainty behind them at will that definitely does start to add up um i think it's going to be benda either way while they keep getting blackwell work there and they're also, you know, probably going to have Catalan sitting behind those guys with an eye on things as well. That's kind of their saving grace this season is, is Catalan. Got it. 
All right, that's Ian Boyd uh, and Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com. I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, that's going to do it for this Friday's live stream. We appreciate all of the Super Chats. Thank you all so much. We appreciate all of you that joined us uh, for this. Uh, I will be at practice later this afternoon, evening, early evening. Uh, I will have me and Jerry, I think we're probably going to do uh, another report tomorrow morning to, to encapsulate that for everybody. I also have a conversation, uh, the usual one, with our Paul Wadlington for the Saturday conversation topic. All right. For Ian and Jerry Hamilton, I appreciate you guys. Uh, this has been the Friday live stream on Texas football.